So I'm just going to read this. Uh, feel free to react in any manner you deem fitting. <clears throat> Here we go. Ooh, a cold open. Love this. I'm sorry, sir. I didn't cheat. I was... A loud sound echoed through the big dark room. The man couldn't finish his sentence as a bullet digged right through his head. Blood spilled everywhere. The bodyguards in the room stood silent, controlling their breath to not be heard. The room felt like it had no aliveness in it. No one made a sound before Jungkook finally took out his handkerchief and wiped off the blood which spilled on his beautiful face. He nudged his nose and handed his gun to his men. Clean this mess and cancel all the appointments I've with the underground clients. But sir, it's an urgent meeting. Don't fucking talk back, neither it will be your turn to be in that place. Jungkook signaled to the dead man with his index finger. That man shivered in fear as he nodded hurriedly and backed away, lowering his head. There was no emotion in his eyes. Nothing. If he wasn't this handsome and had the strength to make everyone drool over him, everyone would have called him a monster. He had no mercy. Who cheated and betrayed him had no choice rather than dying. The man he killed right now was the same. He cheated on his back and leaked some information to his biggest rival. The rival he hated the most. His jaw clenched thinking about him, but shrugged off all the thoughts which were clouded in his already tempted brain and walked to his Bugatti and drove off to his home. A groan escaped his mouth as he plopped on his king-size bed and he loosened up his muscle to relax his tired body a bit. He felt himself dirty as he had killed a man a while ago, so he nudged his nose in disgust and got up from his bed and made his way to his big washroom. He stripped off his black blazer, shirt, pants, and boxers and let the warm water splash on his body. He let out a low groan of relief and he felt a lot relieved. After a good time of shower, he stepped out a towel around his waist, but something was wrong. For some reason, he felt he wasn't alone. His eyes and ears got sharp as he felt someone's presence. And without wasting any more time, he got out of his room and went downstairs and his eyes widened, seeing who was standing in front of him. What the fuck are you doing here? Oh, hi, Jungkook. You should at least welcome your guest rather than cursing. The man in front of him took a seat on his big couch, spreading his legs widely as a grin plastered on his face. <laughs> What the fucking hell? How did you brag in my house, Taehong? <laughs> it was no other than Taehong, his biggest rival in the mafia world. His eyes raged up in anger as he glared at the man who sat so casually like he doesn't care if Jungkook beats him with his men or by himself. He knew Jungkook wouldn't dare. He would never dare to harm his one and only rival. And the reason... Well, only he and Jungkook knew it. Where are my fucking men, he said as his eyes roamed oh, no. around. <laughs> oh, they are just captured by my men. You should increase the security of your house. How did you came in, you fucker? <laughs> Jungkook took a step ahead, completely losing his mind. Calm down, dude. It won't take me a second to fill your little head with bullets. Young had finally dropped his grin and glared at the man. Are you serious you're here in my house and in front of the biggest mafia? You don't care about your life? <laughs> Jungkook let out a loud laugh looking at the man. For now, I'm not sure you're the biggest mafia or any shits cause babe, I'm still alive. <laughs> Jungkook felt something strange as Taehyung oh, no. called him babe. It was so strange to hear him calling him babe. It didn't disgust oh. him, but he didn't love it too. 
And for your curiosity, I'm here because I wanted to tell you don't diss the meetings where I'm involved where I might lose my mind and ruin your whole life. Also, your secretary, whom you probably killed an hour ago, can leak your house password in greed of one million dollars. You really need genuine men, not some snakes. Taehyung chucked while proudly calling Junkwook's men snakes. He looked away from Taehyung as he was embarrassed. He was losing his temper as seconds passed. He was controlling his anger, but now he lost it. That's it. You're dead. <laughs> and with that, Jungkook walked fastly to the man who was sitting on his couch and punched him hardly. Taehyung stood in his place, froze as he rubbed his lips, which was bleeding. Bitch, it's your time to die. <laughs> Taehyung lost his mind as he stood up, punching the man hardly on his jaw, and he fell on his wooden table as the table flipped over him. His bare chest got cut and blood started to drip oh, from his well-built no. chest. The towel around his waist was loosing up, but he was scared. <laughs> yeah, he really was scared. Taehyung got worried as he groaned in pain. He had punched him too hard when he fell on the wooden table. The table broke and it cut his chest brutally. For Taehyung, <laughs> killing someone wasn't even a deal. But seeing Jungkook in pain, he felt worried and guilty. But for what? <laughs> no. You can't even control a single punch and call yourself a fucking mafia? Young said as he doesn't want to show his concern, which he had. <laughs> you bet. He stood up and walked to the man. <laughs> Did not say Ta you bet. Young stood frozen as he saw Jungkook's gaze on him. It was something different. His eyes were roaming around Taehyung's body, and it made him uncomfortable oh, in his place. Yeah. He didn't punch <laughs> him again or walked away, but stood frozen in place, watching what he doing. Oh, no. Darling, if you didn't look so hot while bleeding, I would have killed you already. But my body won't let me. <laughs> Jungkook whispered as his finger nibbled on Taehyung's bleeding lips. Taehyung felt his body weak under his touch. Now I'm not supposed to react on his touch like this, Taehyung thought to himself, but Jungkook's touch made him react on other way. He stood frozen on his oh, place. No. What are you doing? He slapped himself in his mind for stuttering like a stupid. He looked at Jungkook again and internally facepalmed himself as he saw a huge smirk on his lips. Babe, I didn't know my touch can melt you like this. <laughs> his finger was now touching the edge of his sharp jaw. For some reasons, Jungkook felt something strange as his finger was touching Taehyung's skin like that. Both no. of them were silent before Taehyung grabbed his finger and looked at Jungkook lustfully. He bites his lips as he gets more close to the man who was now shocked by his sudden action. <laughs> Babe, you're not doing it well. I show you how this thing is. He stopped in the middle as he looked at Jungkook again, and then he kicked him right in his crotch. Done! <laughs> <laughs> Jungkook falls on the floor as he grabs his member in pain. Due to the kick, the towel which was covering the man had fell off. Taehyung. I thought the towel already fell off. Taehyung widened his eyes in amazement as the naked man was arching in pain in front of him. It didn't make him happy as it should, and he was surprised why he wasn't smiling seeing him in pain. This was different. Seeing him arch in pain did hurt him too, but it was not that concerning to Taehyung to make him kneel down to the men to help him. 
Oh, no. Jungkook stood up after feeling the pain somehow less and didn't realize the towel wasn't covering him anymore. <laughs> You're done, you fucker. <laughs> First, cover yourself, dude. Taeyoung looked right at his revealed dick and for a moment he saw Jungkook blushing. <laughs> no. For real, he saw the John Jungkook, one of the biggest mafia, blushing. He gasps as he saw Jungkook stood up, not caring to cloth himself, and walk to him, his dick still sticking out. <laughs> A smirk on his face, but somehow he felt Jungkook was trying his best not to blush. What's wrong with both? None knew. Don't tell me you didn't just wanted this dick in your butthole, sweetie. <laughs> Jungkook said as he came more closer than it was needed. His breath falling on the embarrassed man who was trying his best not to blush or do anything to encourage him. Hmm, baby, why don't you speak? Saying the last word, Jungkook kicked Taehyung on his chest harder than anyone can imagine to make the man spilt blood from his mouth. Thanks to the couch behind him which guarded him not to hit his body on the hard floor. You fucking gay can't have my dick so sad. <laughs> Jungkook said as he laughed, looking at the man. But then he noticed how Taehyung's white shirt was getting red from the blood. His mouth was spilling blood like oh, water, no. and it made him tensed. <laughs> For a moment, he thought he should help him, but how much he was bounded to his own principles. <laughs> Let me tell you one thing, John Jungkook. Even we know why we are not killing each other till now, but if you call me gay again... I swear I'll tear your fucking dick out of your body and make you die slowly, Taeyong said as he stood up glaring at the man. I'm not gay shit like you, so watch your mouth, nor even your, if you're not gay, you'll turn gay for me, and that wouldn't be good for you, because Taeyong would never be gay for his fucking rival. He passed as he showed him his index finger as he left without paying back his hit. We will see, Kim fucking Taehyung. <laughs> And see. Wow. Um, well, wow. Um, first of all, did did you write that? God no. <laughs> Who's the artist? Who's the 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 visual and l lyrical and what are words that aren't in songs? <laughs> Just written. <laughs> this was chapter one of Forbidden Desires, uh, mm. by the author known only as Bangtan Boys Are Life. <laughs> oh, that was a that was <laughs> not surprising. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much there's so much there to uncover um i was waiting for like the person that came in because i was like what's <laughs> what's happening here um i didn't realize that it would be mafia Tehum. <laughs> i thought it would be like your name because i was very much in like wattpad like Okay, when when is 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 my name coming up? And like, oh no, this then is, we have this, this conversation. Is pure, but it was very much not that. It was the other side of of <laughs> BTS. 
fan fiction. <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> With that, um, uh, <laughs> let's do the intro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> Welcome to this shit show. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> this is a podcast called Basque Poppy Tall. Um, <laughs> we do those types of things <laughs> here. Uh, my name's Brittany. <laughs> my name's Rain. <laughs> And I don't know where to go from there, so I wanted, to be quite I, honest I, with you. I wanted to do that intro, one, because it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> and two, yes. RPF, real person <laughs> fiction. Making, yeah. making a story about people who are alive and in this world. Yes. It's kind of, uh, it's kind of weird. <sighs> I, I have a lot of feelings about this, and I haven't decided which ones are, like, correct. But the first and foremost ones, they they it feels bad. <laughs> like, it feels like maybe something we shouldn't do um, because of how they are real people. But also, I would be a liar if I were to tell you that I didn't enjoy that entire segment of, of writing. So, <laughs> I... <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Believe me, I went through an embarrassing amount of BTS fanfiction before I found one that was like, yes, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> there is so much, though. Like, just to dip your toe in. Like, oh my gosh. Have you seen on YouTube? It's a little bit of a different thing. It's not about the boys, you know, getting together. <laughs> it's not a BL fanfiction. But it's, um, like, I watched, again, an embarrassing number of these videos because I was fascinated. And what it is, is, like, they just take <laughs> shots of, like, different members. And it's, like, the caption is, like, Shuga is your boyfriend, but you guys are going through a hard time right now. And they play just, like, different, like, shots of them doing interviews and all this kind of stuff. But then they put fake subtitles in. So it just says oh, what... It it like fits the narrative. Oh, I no. watched so many. They're so <sighs> bad, but I was like, "Who's who's doing this? <laughs> like, who's are you this, guys getting who's this help?" For? <laughs> right. <laughs> I. It is wild to me, and it's not just BTS. Like, it's pretty. Oh, <laughs> take yeah. a K-pop idol, but and like even they're there. Even just like on Ao3 Archive of Our Own, there is a hundred and forty-five thousand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> BTS fan fictions on this site alone. Yeah. There's so many. There's so many. <laughs> it's scary. People are scary. I did like that that one was written by somebody who English is not their first language. Um, or only language, I guess I should say. And they still wrote it in English. Like, I love that. That is That is amazing. Um, that takes some, like, confidence that I would never have. Oh. <laughs> like, if somebody was like, you know, write a story and publish it, but in Spanish. I'd be like, oh no. <laughs> Absolutely not. They, they took the, 
the figures of BTS and decided to put them in a mafia story. But, like, there are other ones that, like, try to put them in their real life, like, as idols. Oh, yeah. And I just feel, even with those ones, there are levels where I think it's weird. Because there's the ones that are, like, the your name ones. The ones where it's, like, kind of <laughs> fantasy roleplay that you imagine yourself in their life. Oh, yes. But then there's also the other level where it's putting fan fiction of two people who actually know each other and actually right. work together very closely. Just fucking. Just straight fucking. It's... <laughs> I mean, it wasn't straight fucking, you know, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, no, it's it's not good, but also there's like a whole subset of fans who will like, they're scary and they'll say things like, yeah, no, I dated this such and such idol or whatever. And they called my name and like, they'll put their names in like their phones so, like, people will call them and they'll have them named as, like, Jungkook or whatever. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, he's calling me or he's texting me. Like, it's just, but it's, like, not for fun. Like, it's, like, something that they're trying to make other people believe. I don't and it's not, like, it's not a small number of people. Like, it's not as, as small of a number of people as I would like it to be. Like, everybody has, like, a story of this crazy fan that they know. And, like, it's just, ugh, I don't know. It, all of it's a problem, I feel like, but... <laughs> and on top of that, it's like, I, I always just kind of... Because, like, there is always so much layers to to try and decipher, because these writers, the only things that they know about these idols are the fairly manicured and, to an extent, artificial personalities that they put out right. as, as a persona. And then they use that to kind of extrapolate and project tons of other things. I think we see that in a much less concentrated form when, like, people kind of uh, infantilize K-pop stars. That's something that, like, a lot of, like, I feel like Western fans do is they make them, like, their baby and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, no, these people are adults. (laughs) Like, or they're not, not all of them, but, like, a lot of them are, are very much adults and, like, they're not, they know about sex. They know about, like, cuss words. They know about all these things. Um, you're getting this projection of, like, it's, uh, what was NCT Dream? Mm-hmm. It was the younger group that was, like, for, supposed to be kind of, like, for younger artists, like, artists, younger audiences. But, like, now they're all older. <laughs> and, like, they're also just a part of NCT. So they make songs that NCT makes. And those are not all songs that are, like, children like not they're not like crude but they're not like <laughs> it's not like what a five-year-old there's maybe a should be going around saying yeah right and so there's I, I just feel like a lot of people do this where they're just like oh he's he has never done a bad thing in his life or like he doesn't know about those types of things like yes he does <laughs> he knows i promise <laughs> he does and it's just the amount of delusion is staggering I think there's also that, but there's also, there's also, like, projection in the opposite. Like, have you ever seen the most to least lists? Yes. Like, some of them get really weird. Explain what you mean. I, like, I don't understand where they're getting these ideas from and how much they're... For example, I have one from Tumblr just pulled up right now. 
<laughs> Blackpink, most to least. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see what your opinion is. Uh, just because uh, this is the one that's oh, no. on my screen. <laughs> Who in Blackpink, from most to least, has a mommy kink? What? Oh no. Yep. Uh. Okay, first this of is all, the type of shit that I'm talking about. Um. Okay. I guess I really don't know them that well. <laughs> But, but that's the point. Like, nobody really knows them that well. But right? for some reason, they have to pull whatever loose strands in the, like, they think they know about these people and just extrapolate an entire wildly different personality out of it. I think Lisa does, has the most. Interesting. <laughs> that would be my pick for, I would say, well. <laughs> now, listen, now I'm like, well. <laughs> I've been given a task, so I have to complete it. An absolutely pointless mental exercise. <laughs> Ginny, it's well, it's just funny because, like, who is Ginny? You know, like, what is she doing? <laughs> Maybe she does. Maybe it's her. I don't know. I feel like it's not Rose. <laughs> well, according to this list, the most likely is Rose, followed by Lisa, followed by what? Jenny, followed by Jisoo. I was going to put Jisoo last, so we're in agreement on that one. Wait, which order were Lisa and Jenny? Lisa second. I mean, <laughs> me, I guess I didn't do too bad. It's an absolute, no. it's a, this isn't like, it's not like this is a canon <laughs> thing where it's like, oh, I did correctly. Right. There's no correct. It's <laughs> fucking meaningless. Well, and yes, and I feel like you're going to see, uh, it's such a weird, yes, there's a lot of that happening too. I don't know how to describe it because I feel like there are these two very big things. Like there's the infantilizing things and then also just like being really weird. But what gets me is when people are like, that's weird to me because ew, but also not about kinks. Like how's your kinks or whatever, but like don't project them onto other people. Yeah. And then two, sometimes they do this with idols who are not, who, who aren't adults like yeah. and that it bugs me see that was one issue that I kind of had with NCT Dream is that like some of their music I'm like so they're supposed to be like geared for younger audiences and then like so their first little bit was fine but then I was like guys this is getting a little I don't know about this <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's getting a little, a little sexual and uh, <laughs> I kind of a weird thing and some of them were like super young at the time it's i don't know it's just i don't know but i did really like in that story that um they were mafia it wasn't that they were a part of the mafia they were they were mafia they were <laughs> <laughs> the mafia they were the mafia <laughs> just cracked me up also if you're gonna choose two people out of bts to be part of the mafia maybe taken but like jungkook no. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> no. Maybe Sugar. Maybe. But he doesn't, he, like, he doesn't even... No. <laughs> I don't know why you picked the Mafia for these boys. But anyway. Wow. So yeah, that, I, just, I just think that it's... It's a lot of questions I have about the <laughs> ethics of doing this kind of stuff. Well, and there always has been the shipping people in groups together. I think we've talked about that before. 
Sure. Because... But, like, it's one thing when it's characters, like, in a show. Well, yes, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like because of how... uh, I feel like there's different values on, like, physical touch for a lot of Westerners, specifically people from the United States, um, and Koreans. Like, there's just a lot more, like, touching and hugging and holding hands and all that kind of stuff between um, men, women, non-binary, the whole spectrum. So, like, we here in the good old U.S. of A. are like, ah, they're just so close. Like, I'm going to ship them. And, like, that has always happened since, like, the beginning of forever. And it's just kind of weird to me. And I don't know if it's because I educated myself about Korean culture or if I it was just because like <laughs> I just thought it was a weird thing to do to ship people like that <laughs> I don't know <laughs> like but it's it's been happening for like you can look up different pairings uh oh I know just put like <laughs> half their names together and, like you have a whole video of how they're in love and it's just uh, we just ruin a lot of things <laughs> so there is, there is, I just think, a such thing as loving a thing too much. Yeah. Yeah. Being obsessed, I would not say, is, like, the greatest. And, uh, yeah, I think there's probably more to talk about there, but I I think we should just move on before my brain dies okay. and I keep reading more fan fiction. Is that what you're just doing right now? I, I think <laughs> the straw that broke the camel's back was me scrolling through Tumblr and seeing the the worst one I saw, which was mm-hmm. MTL Dick Size of Red Velvet. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Love it. So Love I, it. As soon as I saw that, my mind snapped in half and I was like, we're moving on. We're moving on. Can't do this anymore. <laughs> so initially in my outline, the next thing I wanted to talk about was what's going on with Joe Biden. <laughs> like, oh seriously? God. But I we're going to shelve that. We're going to shelve that for another day. We're okay. not going to talk about the Stimmy checks or Syria <laughs> or the child cages. Where's my Stimmy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you mean child cages. I think you mean overflow facility. You're right. Absolutely right. They're totally <laughs> different things for totally different reasons. So instead, we're going to move on to your segment, a segment that you created oh and are entirely in control of. Oh, I like that. Um, yeah. So what's the segment so, called? Uh, <laughs> it's called <laughs> Your K-Pop Faves Are Problematic. <laughs> Alternately, every other time we talk, we'll talk about how... Uh, K-pop stands slash fans are problematic. So, like, we're going to get both sides. I feel like that one's going to be a lot easier. uh, Well, (laughs) it's going to, well, (laughs) there's a a lot with both. Um, But today, we're going to cover somebody who is very, I feel like, near and dear to the K-pop community's heart. (laughs) So I think they're the best person to start with. Uh, G Dragon. Bang, bang, bang. Or... <laughs> yeah. So, if you don't know who G Dragon is, <laughs> I guess. What are you doing <laughs> on this? Podcast? I will lift. <laughs> I will lift up the rock that you have been 
just laying under and tell you. <laughs> so he was a part of, or I think, I don't know that they're technically disbanded, but there's a lot, there's a lot of problematic things <laughs> happening, what's happening there with that whole group. But he, he was part of the group. He's a rapper. He's been in the K-pop industry for a very long time. He's under YG. So we've got all that, which is also. Fashion icon. He really is. Um, and he has been since like day one. But mm. we're going to get into that as well. Um, <laughs> so I would like to preface this by saying we're going to be discussing racist themes as well as cultural appropriation. And I would like to just state that I think that those are different. They're connected topics. They are different. And a lot of what I'm going to be talking about specifically with G-Dragon is kind of more of a cumulative look at what he's doing. Some of the things just taken out of context would be maybe like not the best thing to do, but also not like super problematic. But if you look at the whole picture, it just it gets a little dicey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we're going to start with like the lower level stuff. Um, so G-Dragon is a rapper and he's used a lot of influence because it's rap so he's uh a lot of that all of it came from uh black people uh is the thing uh which is which is true of a lot of stuff in music which we've talked about before most, most <laughs> come from black people and all that good stuff so he <laughs> he's very much tried to in the past create a like a thug gang image and it <laughs> it made it fashion it's like gangbanger but but make like, it fashion like a costume yes which is problematic and <laughs> i know that a lot of people get touchy about that because they're like clothes can't be cultural and but yes they can be um hairstyles can be too and the problem isn't so much other cultures wearing these things or appreciating them uh the problem is when you take them and they are just a costume um and there's no real appreciation or credit given to the community that you're taking it from especially when you're profiting off of these things <clears throat> the kardashians <clears throat> so <laughs> so g-dragon has often worn <laughs> Like, uh, handkerchiefs in his hair. Um, a specific image that I am conjuring up is him styled after, like, the Bloods gang. He had mm -hmm. an outfit like that, which is not great. Uh, one, because... Because groups for life. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like there's not really, like, a knowledge of what, like, gangs are <laughs> and what they <laughs> what they do and what it's like to be in a gang and why gangs exist so like maybe we do some some research but that seems to be too much to expect out of some of the k-pop community so um so he does that he wears chains um uh, which again in and of itself is not necessarily problematic but that's kind of this image that he is cultivating for himself uh very very specific to like uh black african-american demographic then uh -huh. mm -hmm. he's also uh in several occasions worn like afros uh styled <laughs> yeah 
Yep. Oh. <laughs> he styled his hair in cornrows, which, you know, people get touchy over that. It's not racist, but like, you know, whatever. <laughs> but this is what he's doing. And there's even a picture where it was on his, I think his Instagram, <laughs> where they put the members. It's a picture of the Jackson 5. <laughs> Start there. Picture of the Jackson 5. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With the members of Big Bang on their faces. Like I am looking at it right now. Yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so it's not good. Like, it's <laughs> just initially bad like that it it's not a good look to have and i know that a lot of people will talk about how like this was a long time ago blah 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 blah. but i don't care (laughs) at the end of the day i don't care if it was a long time ago it's still not okay and i think we can still address it and say that it's not okay we can recognize that it was a different time on the internet blah, blah 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 but that does not take away from the fact that it was not okay and especially if you are a artist who is using you are interacting with the black community um, by way of your music. Like you need to be more aware of these things. Like you just do. Otherwise it's wrong and you need to accept culpability for that. Anyway, so (laughs) he's got all these stylistic choices. He's also posted, um, I don't (laughs) know. (laughs) Uh, There's a picture and it's called Michael spelled M-A-I-K-O-L. It's a cartoon. I don't know what it's from, but I guess it's like supposed to be kind of stylized after Michael Jackson, maybe. And it's like this guy who has dark skin, he has big lips, a wide nose, and like afro with like like hairs popping up off of it. So yeah. Uh, oh, from Dooley. It's from Dooley, the Korean cartoon. So <laughs> he's put that on his Instagram as well. <laughs> Which is, again, not great. Maybe a misstep, but not great. And then we're going to start digging in to his, his more problematic and really more racist issues. And <laughs> When are we getting to the kids? When are we... It's coming. <laughs> Don't you worry. Um, we can actually just talk about that now. Yeah, he uses black children <laughs> in his videos as props. Um and I know that people are like, it's it's not that I don't want him to have black kids in his videos. That's not like my point in saying this. It's just that he it's a, it's a very specific style that they're always styled in. He's in a specific style. It's always about the it's it's a very um what white people might call urban look, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just to like portray this or to take on this blackness, and it, it's a very strange sensation to watch it as a as as a black person and be like oh this does not feel good yeah it's not good he's put on blackface multiple times um once was he dressed up as andre 3000 (laughs) (laughs) i don't know (laughs) He, he did that There have been a couple other times where, and I think people are making valid points, like he's painted his face black for whatever reason. He's always doing something that's like kind of artistic and he's making a statement and blah, 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 blah. But (laughs) it's just, I think you just need to be really careful about these types of things. 
Um, especially, again, if you are an artist that is very obviously taking from black culture, black fashion, black, everything that you are doing, you are taking from black people. You need to be careful about these types of things. And like there was one where, oh, it was around the time that um, Trayvon Martin was killed. And yeah, he had a shirt and he had pulled it up kind of on top of his head. And you know how people, like, a lot of black people were taking pictures, like, with their hoods up. Um, mm-hmm. And it was kind of, you know, a demonstration type thing uh, yeah. for social justice. Well, <laughs> he took a picture. His face was painted black. Um, uh, and okay. <laughs> And he had his, his shirt. It wasn't a hoodie, but he had his shirt up on top of oh, his head. Oh, no, I think I'm looking at this picture right yeah. now. Yeah. It just, they, they said, you know, it was taken completely out of context and all that kind of stuff. And I also realized that, like, what happens in the United States is not what happens to everyone everywhere. I get that. But again, I don't know how many times I'm going to say it. If you are a person who profits <laughs> off of the black community's efforts, <laughs> then I think you need to be a little bit more aware. And that was just very... It was a bad, it was a bad look. So do I think he was doing black Even, even, even no. if it's the case of just happening to be like the worst timing in the world. Sure. Even it's, even without the context of the timing, I would still have questions. Well, exactly. <laughs> it's still not good regardless of what was happening in the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just worse <laughs> in context. And... Yeah. Yeah, like I, I, I sincerely do not believe that he was necessarily trying to be a black person in that picture. However, I, I think that it was, it wasn't a good choice for him, um, especially given that he had done blackface previously and he was trying to look like a black person. Like you'd think that if you had done that, you might have, you might be a little more like, hmm, I don't know, guys. Don't know if it's a good Maybe idea. I think about this next time. <laughs> but that also wasn't, I don't think, the last time that he painted oh his face black. Oh my god, I, I'm sorry. I'm just looking at the, I'm looking at the Andre 3000 picture. It's bad. Oh my gosh. Like, it's, it's a crime. It's hard to defend. It's hard it's to defend at all. In and of itself, like, nobody should look like that. Nobody should look like that regardless. Um... And then, yeah, it just, (laughs) it's not good. So, so we've got all of that. And I would say the most concerning to me would be using black people (laughs) slash black children as props in music videos and the blackface. But what is, I think, number one for me and probably for a lot of other black people was his use of the N-word on live TV. (laughs) I think the first time that I've seen him use it, like, I, di- I didn't see this when it happened, but, like, I, looking back through, the first time that he had used it, at least to my knowledge, was in 2008, and he's on stage with Top, and Top's like, Dragon, good job, man, in English, and the dragons like, thanks, nigga. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, Mm. Sir, you do not get to use that word. And again, 
You know, that was back in 2008. And if that was the last time he had said the (laughs) (laughs) N-word, maybe, Maybe. you know, but it wasn't, you know, he'd, he'd said it later. And like, again, again, (laughs) I realized that, you know, the internet was a little different back in those days, all of that good stuff. I really don't think it excuses anybody's behavior because... I was not, I lived through those internet days and was not racist. (laughs) Like, I didn't use racist slurs. So I feel like, and a lot of people that I know also didn't. So I don't know, maybe it's not so much the time as it was, you know, people being awful. But whatever, I'm willing to give people a little bit of a doubt. It was different. Also, K-pop was not as big in the United States as it was, as it is now. So they weren't being held as accountable. But the thing is, um, and this is kind of a, a, di- a discourse that I've seen a lot, it's just that it hasn't stopped. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it hasn't these gotten ta- better. No. And every time, and it's not specifically G-Dragon, it's it, pick any artist. And, you know, somebody in some group has, one person in any group has said the n-word you know like it's <laughs> most to least like done... think who says the n-word <laughs> jenny <laughs> number one <laughs> number one <laughs> this is just, we just gonna become <laughs> a jenny slander podcast <laughs> sorry jenny i don't know you you're probably fine um, Jenny, call me. But <laughs> want to be on our podcast? <laughs> um, but but yeah, we don't see it change, and that's why. Like, even when we were talking about like the Nazi thing last time, and like realizing because you made a valid point about like histories are different, are taught differently um, in different areas of the world. But I just think and I agree with that they are and it's hard and you have to like do a lot of work on your own but you have to do that work and it's not like she was the first person to have an anti-semitic slash nazi scandal like this year (laughs) (laughs) she's not the first person in her group to have one and so it's just wait who was the other one it's just um oh rapper i think they had a <laughs> Listen, as long as it's not uh in half then i don't care must protect her at all costs to be fair i don't think it was specifically her it was in a song and the rapper who was in her song did something oh um, see. however, fans of G Friend have since uncovered <laughs> other instances of so on and other members of the group <laughs> allegedly making jokes about Nazism. I make jokes about Nazism. Okay, I don't know if these are true or not, so I'm not going to say that. But <laughs> I don't know who it was, to be honest with you. I'm really worried about like now my <laughs> what my computer is going to give me for like ads and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Back to my point. I don't know what I'm talking about. But, like, (laughs) they also, they're not the first group to have these issues recently. And so I think that there is something to be said 
or like it's not really top, blah, 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 blah. But as soon as these things start to pop up, then maybe take a look at that. And like, I don't know. And the only thing that I can really do is relate things back to my own experience mm-hmm. um, because I'm a human. But like in the United States, we are not taught a lot about the rest of the world. Nope. We don't know much. <laughs> don't know much about it. Um, cultures, politics, anything. We don't, we don't know anything except for what's in our history books, which is not much. Especially if it makes the United States look bad. So <laughs> I feel like a lot of us have had to do work on our own, which includes studying and reading things about other cultures and interacting with other cultures and all these different things. And doing that work, <laughs> which is not necessarily fun all the time. Like it's fun to learn about other cultures, but not necessarily fun to learn about your impact on other cultures mm-hmm. when you are from the United States. Um, so... I just feel not specifically with Solon and the Nazi statue, but like across the board, mm. I'm not going to go back to that um, <laughs> for now. I just feel like there's just a lack of, there's, it's really easy to make apologies to be like, we're sorry. We didn't know. You can't use that excuse forever. Yeah. You can't, what makes an apology sincere is saying, you know, like I, I accept and apologize for my ignorance on this subject. This is how I'm going to change. I'm going to educate myself on these things. But then you actually have to educate yourself on those things. <laughs> Apologizing <laughs> like, is easy. Actually changing your behavior and actions is hard. Right. And when like these companies come out and keep apologizing for their people, like you as a company then need to like do you need to do something. If I honestly had a nickel for every like racist anti-semitic thing that came out of just like YG I'd be rich (laughs) I'd be rich anyway that's the scoop on G-Dragon he was very instrumental in my K-pop journey I loved Big Bang they were one of the first bands that I really got into so like no undue hate but I do think that like I've never really seen an apology from him or any sort of acknowledgement, I guess, mm. of how problematic everything was. And that's frustrating because I feel like it's just more insulting to not be treated as if you are due an apology. Yeah. While somebody profits off of your <laughs> culture pain and suffering. You know? Like, it's just feels bad. Before feels we move bad. forward, though, I will say you did not mention... G-Dragon's biggest crime, which was Marijuana. his terrible, terrible collaboration with oh, no. uh, <laughs> with Diplo and Skrillex and CL. <laughs> that was so, that was a crime against humanity. That was that was bad. Um, that was all crimes. Bad. <laughs> I remember listening to that and being like, "Oh, this is gonna be so good because like it had CL and G-Dragon." The and stars and I was seemed like, like they had aligned. <laughs> it seemed like it would be really good, and then I listened to it, and it was bad. Not. It was bad. <laughs> so I think we got time for one more thing, and boy, is it a thing! <laughs> I'm so excited. So we've we've talked we've talked in private about Neom, right? Yes. Never yes, talked. We have. We've never talked on the show about it, and I think it's due. A, a nice little deep dive. So for anyone who's unfamiliar 
with Mia. It is billed as Saudi Arabia's City of the Future. Uh, more specifically, their current project is something called The Line, which is a city <laughs> that is, I believe, 175 kilometers long and one street wide. <laughs> I hate it! It doesn't make any logical sense. I can't it's supposed to be, it. I believe, ten times the size of Manhattan. <laughs> and it sounds stupid, but just wait. It's gonna get stupider. So, Neom is being backed by... Overall, it's going to receive $500 billion from the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia. On top of investments from local and international investors... So it's even more than that. Um, <laughs> now, when it was first being created, um, Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, worked closely with three consultancy companies to create the original idea for Neom. And the three companies were McKinsey, Oliver Wyman, and BCG, the Boston Consulting Group. Oh. Oh. Now, how much do you know about McKinsey? Not much. So, I think for most people, McKinsey first came into notice when um, Shaved Rat turned politician <laughs> Pete Buttigieg was uh, discovered to have formerly worked for them. I see. But I think, uh, I think we yes. should uh, just take a look at some of their most notable moments in history. So, uh, a McKinsey consultant for 21 years named Jeff Skilling created a company called Enron. <laughs> Wait. What's his name? Jeff Skilling. Gif? Jeff Skilling. Jeff. <laughs> Thought it was Jeff, like the peanut butter. Oh, that would be great. Oh. <laughs> okay. So, Enron. Good. Right. Uh, after Enron collapsed... Uh, Skilling went to jail, and according to uh, reports, McKinsey worked very closely with Enron and fully endorsed the dubious accounting methods that caused the company to implode. <laughs> Good. Mm -hmm. uh, Enron reportedly used McKinsey on 20 different projects, and McKinsey consultants had, quote, Used Enron as their sandbox. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, no. Now, McKenzie is also believed to have played a significant role in the 2008 financial crisis by promoting the securitization of mortgage assets and encouraged banks to fund their balance sheets with debt, which drove up risk, which poisoned the financial system and created the meltdown. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, a Canadian pharmaceutical company named Valiant was also a client of McKinsey's, and they were uh, investigated by the SEC in 2015 after being accused of both improper counting and using predatory price hikes to boost profit growth. Oh my God. McKinsey oh. also advised Purdue Pharma 
the makers of OxyContin <laughs> on how to, quote, turbocharge their sales. Oh. AKA kill people. They propose strategies to, quote, counter the emotional messages from mothers with teenagers that overdosed. <laughs> And how to help opioid makers circumvent regulations. Uh, it was <laughs> McKinsey was then sued in forty nine different states, and then settled, paying six hundred million dollars in settlements. In twenty nineteen, New York Times and ProPublica uncovered documents that showed that McKinsey worked very closely with ICE, proposing cuts in spending on food and and medical care for migrants. They also advised. An accelerated deportation process. <laughs> no. No. This is pure evil. They're just evil. He's evil. <laughs> uh, finally, they worked with the Gupta family to put strategically placing corrupt individuals on the government of South Africa, as well as on utilities and infrastructure sectors. <laughs> 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 Uh, working closely with Trillion Capital Partners, which was owned by the Guptas, to provide services to the value of $75 million annually. Uh, although they were eventually they were eventually uh, investigated and <laughs> charged with bribery and corruption. Oh, wow. <laughs> Don't worry. At least there's that. Put a pin in that. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> Our next company, Oliver Wyman. Oliver Wyman, also a consulting company. Um... <laughs> It was. It is widely believed that Wyman was the unnamed consulting firm in reports that recommended Citigroup expand parts of their fixed income business in 2005, including collateralized debt obligations, which led to more than $50 billion in losses during the global financial crisis in 2008. <laughs> <laughs> really getting the gang back together. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> Partners from Oliver Wyman met with representatives of major South African institutions, including Transnet, ESCOM, and the Department of Cooperative Governance, organized by a consulting firm named Trillion, owned by the Gupta family, wanting Oliver Wyman to basically work <laughs> with them. Uh, Wyman said no, <laughs> and the South African government then hired Wyman to do the investigation <laughs> That <laughs> indicted McKinsey. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> wow. BCG is relatively clean. Uh, their biggest problem was probably, you know, helping Isabel de Santos exploit mm -hmm. the country of Angola. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That one I remember. <laughs> oh, wow. So they worked very closely with Mohammed bin Salman to create the initial plans for Neom, which were then leaked and discovered by the New York Times. I don't have the article because I refused to pay them money. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> according to articles, the proposals included flying cars, android cage fights, robot maids, glowing desert sand <laughs> clock faces, dinosaur robots, and a giant artificial moon, as well as holographic teachers. <laughs> yeah, I remember those two. I remember the teachers and the moon. <laughs> like, what? But, like, what? 
I have a question. Uh-huh. <laughs> why why specifically holographic teachers? Like <laughs> what what's happening in this city? Do we like are people what are they doing there? I don't know. <laughs> okay. I don't like are we know. bringing children? Is is that a thing? I uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So on October 2nd, 2018, mm-hmm. a man named Jamal Khashoggi entered the Saudi Arabian consulate in Istanbul and was promptly tortured and dismembered by Saudi Arabian uh, hit squad, if you recall. I do recall. Uh, Later in November, the CIA concluded that Mohammed bin Salman had ordered Khashoggi's assassination, uh, and immediately investors started distancing themselves from Niam. (laughs) What? Why? Who could have imagined? (laughs) Now, even with this bad press. Construction on Neon continued. They finished their airport in June of 2019 and it started to get uh, international flights coming in. In 2000, local tribesmen that lived in the area where Neon was planned to be built were making, were raising awareness of the kind of heavy-handed tactics that were being used to try and force them off their land so they could build this dumb fucking city. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, a man named Abdul Rahim Al Kuwaiti uh, was very vocal. He posted videos online, and he was later killed by security forces, who said he had opened fire on them. But everyone else says he did not own guns. <laughs> <laughs> After that, eight, eight of his cousins were arrested for protesting against the tribe's eviction order. Um, but human rights organizations are attempting to challenge the arrests and free them. Now, with this on top of the whole Khashoggi thing, MBS knew he had to he had to really, really rehabilitate their image if he wanted Neom to get investors. So, in June of 2020, two months later, he hires a U.S. public relations company named Ruder Finn. So I'm going to go from arguably least evil to probably most evil when I talk about Ruder Finn. Do you know Ruder Finn? I don't know Ruder Finn. All right, here we go. So we're not going to go chronologically. I'm going to go from least to most evil. That seems to be a theme on our show today. Uh, most to least evil, no. <laughs> Jenny. Jenny. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so in 2012... Ruder Finn accepted a contract from the government of Maldives, specifically the present Mohammed Wahid Hassan, who was very unpopular due to the fact that he literally came in power because of a coup d'etat. <laughs> Love it. Uh, in 1998, the firm was caught in a conflict of interest because it had two different clients on opposing sides of a settlement dispute. One was the government of Switzerland... And the other was the Jewish Agency for Israel, who was suing the Swiss government over its financial dealings during World War II. Oh, no. And so it was forced to give up 
its representation of one side. Can you guess which side they dropped? I feel like they dropped the Jews. You bet they did. Yeah. <laughs> that feels that feels right. Uh, from the 1960s to the 1990s, they represented their longtime client, Philip Morris, and were instrumental in crafting the public relations campaign that disputed evidence that tobacco smoking was hazardous to your health. Good. And, and in 1997, Ruder Finn ran the Global Climate Coalition, a group of mainly U.S. businesses whose entire goal was to oppose action to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. You know, I have heard of them. <laughs> the name Ruder Finn sounded familiar, but I've only just like read it. And like now that we're talking about all the bad things they did, didn't know the Switzerland thing. But um, yeah, the math is all mathing now. Good. Good. So, now that we got Ruger Finn, let's talk, let's get back to, let's get back to the big business. So, before his death, Jamal Khashoggi had a lot of projects going in an attempt to try and combat uh, what seemed to be a concerted effort on Twitter and social media uh, to basically try and silence or shout down people who were critical of Saudi Arabia. Um, one of his allies in this fight was a man named Omar Abdulaziz, who lived in Twitter. Or, sorry, lived in Canada. And was a... F- <laughs> uh, uh, he, <laughs> I live on Twitter. So he, he lives in Canada. He's a, he's a very well-known Twitter user. And uh, how do I put this? So he, he starts working on a, a bunch of kind of critical articles about... Saudi Arabia, and McKinsey. Oh, no. Not McKinsey. McKinsey, um, working for the Saudi government, created a detailed report of the most vocal Saudi online dissidents, which included... Mr. Abdulaziz, a writer named Khalid al alqami and an anonymous user who went only by Ahmad. So they gave them a hit list, is what you're telling me. Now, after this report was given to the Saudi government, basically everyone except for Abdulaziz was either arrested or disappeared. Eventually, it was leaked that this that this uh, report came out, and it was eventually discovered that the Saudi government was recruiting Twitter employees to sift through private messages and user data to discover the names and identities of the people uh, <laughs> who were the most vocal Saudi dissidents. And... Uh, he also says that uh, two weeks after Khashoggi's assassination, another team of Saudi nationals was actually sent from Saudi Arabia to Canada with the intention of killing Abdulaziz, as well as uh, another dissident named Dr. Saad Al-Jabri. But the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and the other law enforcement agencies (laughs) actually stopped them. (laughs) 
What? I know. Mounties. <laughs> um, currently, um, Abdulaziz is suing McKinsey. <laughs> And uh, there's a lot of questions about where that's go, but the uh, the actual filing is where I got most of this information from. Now, of news that just came out the other day, another one of Abdulaziz's friends is a 24-year-old, also living in Canada, named Ahmed Abdullah Al-Habri. And last month, Harbi uh, disappeared. He blocked them all on Snapchat and delete, left all their messaging apps. He went off the grid, and then he called two friends, told them that he had gone to the Saudi embassy, and he had been interrogated, and pressured to reveal the names and details of people within the activist network. Harvey said on the calls that he had, that he had done it. He had provided the names. He then told Abdulaziz that the embassy staff gave him a plane ticket to Saudi Arabia and took him to the airport but that he told his escorts he had decided against returning to the kingdom and got away. After that, he went dark for nearly three weeks. On February 16th, Abdulaziz raised the alarm on his Twitter account. Two days later, a new Twitter account for Harbi appeared. And I'm, and I'm reading straight from the article that I read this from. Absent were the previous references to Saudi dissidents, prisoners, and Khashoggi, the new account was topped with a photo of the crown prince. Harbi's first tweet celebrated being back in his homeland. A photo showed a plane ticket with his name dated February 7th. And that is the last thing we know. So this hilariously stupid city of the future is built upon a ton of bodies already and probably a lot more in the future. I was wondering what would happen because um i don't know like a day ago biden released stuff about um Shoggi's death um and how they're like yeah it was saudi arabia's fault but then like apparently biden met with crown prince man mm-hmm. and was like <laughs> i love the, the article that i read i think it was like uh it is unclear if Khashoggi's death was discussed. And I'm like, how do you bring that up? Like, here's some tea. How you doing? How's Saudi Arabia? Also, quick cue. Um, <laughs> did you send a did team you? of men <laughs> to murder a journalist with a hacksaw? Did, did you? Did you? I mean, it's fine. Nobody's nobody's listening. Just tell me if you did. I won't tell anyone. Like, what? <laughs> How do I just like wonder how world leaders like talk about these things? It just like blows my mind. But also, he's also just like not going to do anything, which is surprising to some people, I guess. I don't know. It's the least surprising thing in the world. Right. <laughs> and when we get into our Joe Biden discussions, we can talk about that. But like, I was wondering, because I was like, this has to all play in to, to Neom. 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 Well, that's so the thing. Any, any criticism of Saudi Arabia is going to hurt their investments, and they need those foreign investments to actually make this happen. So they're cracking down harder than they've ever cracked down before, specifically because they need foreign capital and good PR. I see. Um, I would just like to make a statement right here and now, just off, you know, top of my head. Um, please don't kill me. 
Saudi Arabia. If you're listening to this, anyone there, I would like to not die. Don't want to be a hit. This is not criticism. It's just a friendly conversation about all the things that you have done wrong and how you're prince, sir. You're being awful. You're an awful person. So, but don't kill me. Mohammed bin yeah. Salman, this is a call out. <laughs> Come get me. You're a bitch and a dumb bitch. And your I'm beard not sucks. Ready to die. I do, okay, yeah, he's not cute. <laughs> and that's how I judge leaders, <laughs> is how cute they are. Um, oh, I, and I he do doesn't remember. Hit. I, I do remember, because the last <laughs> time we talked about world leaders, you're like, oh, Arce, he's fucking adorable. <laughs> <laughs> he's so cute. He's so cute. Oh my, with his little glasses. <laughs> oh man but yeah but this man not cute not cute brutal um the most brutal Mohammed <laughs> 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 bin Salman is not cute so <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's a lot, and that's awful, and I hate it even... You're right. You were right. I do hate it even more now. Yeah, it's um, even worse than just being the stupid idea that it was. It's actually actively evil. Well, and as soon as, like, I read the, like, they were just gonna kick some, like, native guys off their land, I was like, ooh, <laughs> this is... I remember this from history class. Not a good idea. Um... And then when, you know, the guy died, Abdul Rahim, mm-hmm. um, when he died, I was like, oof, <laughs> well, that's, that's not good. But I did not realize. I did leave our, out our... most of the color uh, of the, the, uh, the filing about um, Abdul Aziz's, um, like him talking about his, his family and friends being captured and tortured, like he gets into details that are pretty horrific, and I did leave most of those out for your sake. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, I can just know that they people were tortured. Um, but I'm sure it was nasty, because, I mean, just casually cut somebody up with a hacksaw. So... Pretty bad. Like, <laughs> not great. So, I think this is a pretty good place to stop for an episode. Yeah, it's a really cheery end. We really, like a really good high note. That's where I want it to be every time. <laughs> Thanks. I'm just going to go to bed and then go to work tomorrow and not, <laughs> not feel impending doom. It's whatever. Well, that's it for this week's episode <laughs> of Das Cape Up at All. Tune in next week where we try and figure out. Most to least, dick size, red velvet. <laughs> Lisa's most. Lisa's most. She has to be. Lisa's not in red velvet. <laughs> oh, shit. I was stuck on. <laughs> I was stuck we'll do on black, pink, too. Fine. We can do both. <laughs> Good. I was just like stuck on. I'm like, Jenny is obviously the least. But like, where are we going from there? Um, <laughs> shit. Oh, red velvet. I'll have to think about that. 
I'm going to actually have an answer for you that for, for next week. I'm not looking forward to it. Uh, <laughs> bye. Bye. Bye.